Hello, it is your partner, Big Boy, interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network that empowers you to take action, contribute to local needs, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to Neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello. So hello, everyone. My name is Mark Hummel. This is Mark Hummel's Harmonica Party Podcast 30-something. And I'm here with Lee Oscar, uh, my friend for, for quite a few years. And he is one of the founding members of the band War. That was an early inspiration for me as a teenager playing the harmonica. When I, was, when I heard you guys in 1970, it changed my world. You guys and Jay Giles Band were the only bands I heard on the radio that featured harmonica. Well, and Stevie had, Wonder. Well, Stevie Wonder, but I'm saying for diatonic yeah, harmonica, gotcha. you guys were the guys. Yeah. And uh, so I am thrilled to have you doing this. You've got a great story. I've known you long enough and, and we've done enough work together that I've, I've learned a lot about you as a you know person and as a musician. And I remember when I first met you, I thought, who is this pretentious artiste? Really? <laughs> yeah. I was being pretentious. Yeah, I thought so. Oh. You know, but it was I like. I don't think I've changed. So <laughs> well, the, the thing is, I'm you not, know, I, mean, I, know, I don't think I'm ever. What made you think I was pretentious? I'm just curious. I mean, I'm just, I'm being honest with you. No, I want to be. It was like, I mean, the funny thing was, you know, you were very, you were opinionated, and I'm very opinionated. Oh, yeah. As you know, we're both very opinionated. (laughs) And so it's kind of like, I think we were sharing, you were sharing your opinions, and I think, you know what it was, you probably said something about blues that struck me a certain way, and I probably got offended or something. Probably. You know, but but, I mean, over the years, it was like, you know, within, I want to say probably, you know, a month or two, we became friends, and we started working together a lot. I want to say that was at least... But but something else... 20-something years ago, if not more. I think it was 1996. That's when it was. It was 1996. Yeah, time flies. I remember when the first time you had it, you wanted a... uh, You wanted a headshot. Like of one, you? Yeah, headshots because that's what was required for right. like clubs and all that. I don't remember where we, we kind of bumped heads. And, <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to bumping heads. <laughs> you know, but, but we, I can talk about you too, right? Right, exactly. Okay, okay we'll share. You know, we'll share stories. And I'll just, the bottom <laughs> line, the bottom line is, I have come to greatly respect you. Thank you. So and much. and a lot of it has to do with, you know, several things. One is you are very musically adventurous probably one of the most musically adventurous and uh, you're, you're somebody that's really had a huge influence on the harmonica world, both as a player and also because of your harmonica company, which is the second largest in the world, Lee Oscar Harmonicas. And the other thing is, you know, I, I just feel like every, you constantly are kind of pushing yourself in terms of where you go with your music. And, and you're a great painter. You're also a great painter. A lot of people don't know that. But uh, you you just have you have a, many talents, and the other thing is you're a generous spirit. And I I picked up on that. It took me a while, but I already, you said one thing to me that blew my mind. Yeah. I want to say back in uh, we were doing a blowout. I think it was probably 2000 and, 2006. Right. It was the first big one we did with you and Magic Dick and Jerry Portnoy. Right. And we were following the club owner back to uh, 
you know, the, the, the club in Santa Cruz. And I was bitching about the club. I said, look at it. He's driving a BMW and I'm driving this piece of shit van or something. Uh-huh. He said, you don't know what's going on in his life. That's right. And it was like that really, that like, you know, that did a number on me. It made me think about how you look at people. And I just think, I think you have the ability to say things. The other thing is you've, you, you know, you've done things like gone to bat for me. Uh, you know, like uh, we're doing, one of my favorites is when we did the, uh, the gig in Salem, Oregon. Left. Lefty's Pizzeria, Lefty. right, right. And, and I told the guy. <laughs> well, the best part is, the best part of the story is he had a poster that had a squirrel playing a harmonica. Didn't bother, I don't even think, to have our names on. No. Just said something like Mark Hummel's harmonica blog and had a squirrel playing. He goes, you're really going to like the poster, Mark. <laughs> and I said I was in shock. And then and then he, he tried to, he, he basically, embarrassed me in front of customers right before the show well, by storming and calling me an asshole in front of like patrons. Yeah, well, yeah. The, yeah, I didn't pay attention to that, but the thing I paid attention was, you know, I didn't know who wrong or right or what the deal is. It's not my business. I met you there and you, you showed up with your, your vehicle and your trailer and musicians, you know, you're on the road. Yeah. And, uh, and this, it was time for lunch. And according to when I saw it, you were expecting to get them to provide you lunch. Right, to feed us. To right. feed you. Right. And, and a pizzeria that he opened. Well, you, you were going to get fed. Right. And he was complaining and bitching right then, uh, like he didn't want to feed you because there's no tickets to not be selling. Right. And, um, and then the other part to this, when I saw that, and, you, and then you got up and played. Whether you ate or not, I didn't pay, I don't remember. But I was sitting at the bar, waiting for me to get up and while right. you guys are playing. And he comes to sit next to me. And the dude says uh, something like, you know, start talking about, complaining about people not showed up and you and this and that. And then his wife is a brilliant marketing person. And, uh, and so, the fir- so the first thing I said is that, well, I've been in the business, I think, a lot longer than you, and I have to tell you two things that you've done wrong. One is, if you have, if whether you're wrong or right, if you have a beef with a musician, you don't, you don't make them upset before they play. You can take care of the business after you play, not before they play. Right. That's number one. Right. Number two, I said, you know, having a picture of a squirrel and not having a picture of the, the featured artist <laughs> is, is not good marketing. <laughs> and, uh, so much for and, brilliant and, marketing and then skills. Something else was said, and I finally said to him, I said, you know, can I cuss? Can yeah, I go ahead, something? go ahead. I said, you know, I didn't come here to eat your fucking pizza. <laughs> I came here to play with Mark Hummel. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. The best part is he used to have my picture like painted on the wall. Oh. And I bet he painted over that. I don't know. You know, as we know, there's no absolute truth. So what is the real truth? Everybody individually, the truth is how you care. And everybody cares differently. Yeah. So there's different truth, you know? Yeah. That's all. Well, what I what, what I found knowing you all these years, and I found it, you know, fairly early on, is that you speak your mind and you don't hold back. You say what... What, what's on your mind. Well, yeah, but I also... But you say it in a way that's, I think, respectful. And that's, I, I hope that's so. Yeah. Not only hope so, respectful, but I, I don't say it without hearing the other person's opinion. Right. And uh, and I 
I have no, even though I may seem very opinionated, yeah. uh, I like to think of myself, if somebody says something that makes sense to me, I have, I would never, ever dish it. I would, I would, right. I mean, and I love, I love to be, uh, be proven that there's something different right. or added or whatever than what I believe, you know, I mean, yeah. I, I, that's like, the magic. That's the same with music. I, I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm no prisoners. You know, I don't want to deny any possibilities. I'm not afraid of, you can tell me any advice you have. I don't have to use it. If I right. use it, it's because it makes sense. Yeah. If well, I don't make sense, I don't use it. I loved it when I came in yesterday and you and uh, the bartender were having a conversation and it was obvious that you guys had differences of opinion about oh, some yeah. things. But the thing was, you guys carried on this civil conversation, Absolutely. and I just thought, this is what America is supposed to be. What, anyway? Yeah. But one of the things I really wanted to get into yeah. is just your your history in terms of, because speaking of travel, I mean, your life has really been travel. A lot of it. Yeah. I mean, so much of it. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you made it to the United States from Denmark yeah. in this amazing story, her and her sister barely escaping from the, the, the concentration camp. What happened was when the when all the when the Nazis had all the killing camps, uh, concentration camps, um, they want to get rid of the rest of the evidence because they were starting to lose now, and bombing from Americans that came in. So right. so they were all in sync from all the death camps, these open graves they were they made to march, everybody was still alive and shoot them all and bury them because they wanted they didn't want the evidence. In that particular situation, uh, bombing started. Oh, okay. And if you even think the soldiers out all of right. that. Yeah. And then some people, not a lot, but some people managed to, and then they were being looked for, and, and my mother and my Aunt Judy uh, ran across some, a Russian soldier who who said, you better keep going because they really? were coming in. Wow. And then, uh, yeah, there was on horse, this guy, and then they ended up in the church and they didn't want to convert, you know, and, they, and so they got scared and ran. Then they got to this uh, house, a home. This was in the north of Germany? Yeah, yeah, yeah. where, where, um, when Poland, they, more okay. like, yeah, cool. yeah, right. yeah, where, um, where this woman was um, from the Gestapo, Rasmus in the Gestapo, and she was using her place to bathe and feed the, the Nazi soldiers as they come through. And my mother, my Aunt Judy, had changed their first names to sound like they're Russians. Mm. So, you know, they're, they're not, being not Jewish and Russian, they're safer. Right. They're just not, they're just not liked because right. between the Russians and the Germans. Yeah. Right. So they were slaves, basically, to, yeah. to this Nazi woman. Right. And then when they got two, more, more bombings started happening, she, she had to get out. And she, and she had expected Denmark to be martial law by the Nazis, you know, because the Nazis had dropped flyers and to occupy Denmark. And in Denmark at that time, when they dropped flyers that all Jews must wear Star David. Everyone did. Everybody in Denmark basically wore Star David. Basically saying, you know, US Germans don't tell us things who's who. Right. Okay. So so when my mother and my Aunt Judy got came they were they were with this Nazi woman carrying suitcases and that, they got on a ship and they got torpedoed. Then they got rescued, and then they ended up in in Copenhagen, and the Red Cross had uh, rescued, you know, had liberated them. In the meantime, when the Nazis were 
threatening to walk in and the king of Denmark couldn't stop them. Uh, one by one, little fishing boats that maybe can fit one person in there. Right. You know, uh, the, the rabbi of Denmark, Rabbi Melcher, was, was, was contacted by the king and said, you better get as many of your congregation, as many people as possible to get out and try to get over to Sweden because Sweden was neutral. Right. And, uh, and by the time, um, you know, my, my mom and my Jewry there, all the, all the Jews, except for a few that got caught by the Nazis, were already smuggled over one by one by, wow. by, by the other Danish people in little, in little boats. I mean, there was fears like they have a baby and it's crying and, and, and the Nazis' ships were like, well, um, um, patrolling, you right. know, so it, it was very vulnerable to cross. Wow. Now, what the day, what they did was on Hosh Hashanah, on the day that the Nazis knew that there's a high holiday for the Jews, mm -hmm. on that day, they thought they were going to be in the synagogue. That was the day that they said, let's use that because they took the ship patrols away. Jeez. The, the Nazis did, you know, to maintain or something, yeah. didn't think anybody's going to cross. Right. And so, wow. yeah. Wow, so that's how yeah. they did it. So when my mom and my Aunt Judy told the Red Cross that she's a Nazi, that woman, and that all the Jews are dead, they said, "Oh no, the Jews are in Den the Jews from Denmark are in, in Sweden. They they're coming back." Wow! And my my teacher, my rabbi, my my rabbi was Ben Melcher. His father was the rabbi at that time. You're saying in Denmark? In Denmark. Yeah. Well, my school teacher was the son, who now is the rabbi. There. Very wise man. He said, "One of the he said it's not the first time uh, other some countries have helped in persecution, helped the Jews escape or get out." Mm -hmm. But it'll be the first time they're letting them back in. Wow, yeah, that's heavy. <laughs> you know? So my father was uh, first-generation Danish, was a member of the social social party, which is not communism. So one question I had when you were growing up, was your mom, like, uh, was she depressed a lot because of it or not really? Terrific. She Terrific. was? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, how did that affect you as a child? Well, that's a very good question because um, because it affected me. What people don't realize, and that's why I did my album, Never Forget. Right. I have terrible, terrible fear of of um, anti-Semitic. I'm proud of my heritage. I'm not a practice Jew. I go to synagogue. Mm -hmm. I'm a cardiac Jew, I say. Mm -hmm. But I know my heritage. Right. And I have much respect and appreciation. And what I've learned in my culture. When I came to the United States, uh, you know, I had left home. You know, basically right. my parents didn't know where I was. Right. Okay. Right. I mean, I left yeah. young. Uh, because of Eric Burden, right. when I got with Eric Burden to war, um, then my uncle who lived in Canada, uh, my mother always wanted to be with because they found out in 1954 my uncle was still alive. Wow. Their brother. Wow. So, you know, one thing to another, uh, they found out where that I was with this band. And my little brother, who's five years younger, came to Milwaukee at an Airbird Wall concert. And he oh, and you know, when I left when I left and he was a, just a little kid and we, yeah. I used to hold his hand like you were wow. that father. So so I can imagine how devastating it could be even for my brother, you know. Yeah. I've never even talked to him about it, yeah. but but it you know, yeah. that thing. It's just horrific. The lens it carried filters through and what it did to right. me too. But when my when I heard my brother, when I heard this person's voice say, Oscar, because most people don't call me Oscar, right? right? 
it was like, and it was right after I played Mother Earth, after solo in the air, wow. Mother Earth wow. and the Oscar. Yeah. And, it, and after the show, I jumped the stage, and that was my brother. Wow. Some years later, and so we we stayed, hanged out for a few days. That is so crazy. Picked up a couple of girls, and <laughs> we had a great time. And then now uh, was he living in Toronto? Yeah. Wow. And then I had to then I had to have the nerve to call my parents. My wow. Dad. And yeah. it was like it was like God, the hardest been, thing. Yeah, that must have been really traumatic. And and my mother, when she answered the phone and she heard my voice, she would say. You could hear like an echo, Oscar. Hmm. And she was, and she said, "Please don't think we're mad at you." Wow. Yeah, it's heavy stuff, man. Very heavy stuff. So what I, so what I wanted to get into is you moved from, I think you came to New York. You said first, and then how did you get to San Francisco? Well, did you hitchhike or no? After I was up in Toronto, yeah, I met some people. Uh -huh. And I wanted to go to Haight Ashbury. Right. Because I heard that Haight Ashbury can find a place to sleep. Right. And then I can go, then it'd be real close to Los Angeles where maybe yeah. I can get a record deal. Oh, okay. That's that's super ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know how far it was apart. Right, right. right. That's amazing. So, so when I came to Haight, so we drove to Haight, we drove to Haight Ashbury. And now then, from, from Toronto? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I didn't realize Yeah, yeah. That. And then, then they dropped me off. Everybody kind of just, I don't know what happened. But I got off, and there was a. That's when I right in front of a Tracy's Donut Shop. Right. That's There's, where you met Spade. What was that's my Super Spade. Super but, Spade. But yeah. I, I always wanted. I loved the donuts, and I had a, I think, a nickel or ten cents on me. Whatever it cost, I had it. I used to go there too. Man. Tracy's Donut Shop. Yeah, yeah, I sure did. I used to go in there and have a donut and coffee all oh, the time. Man. Every time I went to the Hay. Yeah. So I went in. So I didn't even get in. I, I got to the door, about to walk in, and that's when this guy comes up to me and. Says, says, how you doing, man? Or something like that. And I said, okay, uh, what's your name? And I said, Lee Oscar from Denmark, I play a market. You know, with whatever English I could read. He says, uh, my name is Super Spain. That's nice to meet you. Come with me. So I follow him. And that's when we went down to Haven Ashbury. And at that time, Haven Ashbury, the store on the corner there was a drugstore. Right. Now, what year was it, 67? 67. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. 67. Right. So I went with him to the back of the drugstore, and he holds up a bottle, uh, you know, one of these bottles of uh, saccharins, you know, Saccharin, which yeah. I didn't know it was. Right. And, and he's kind of telling me that these tablets look like LSD, like the like Osley, Osley, uh, Osley, yeah, Osley right, right, right. acid, right. yeah. And I knew the name already, yeah. so he's telling me that. And so uh, he's telling me something like his friends got burned, got you know, bought some. Drugs that were not the right drugs, and you know, people burning each other, that right, kind of drugs. Right, right. And you can't go to the police and say, "Man, I gave guy yeah. money," and, and it's bunk, <laughs> right? You yeah. Know? So, 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 anyhow, he was telling me that he's going to sell these, these as if it's LSD, to these people who had burned his friends. Right. And apparently, he was a dealer himself too, which you know, I didn't know that. And so, after he explained that, I finally walked away, and I'm walking back to, to want to get my donut. And when I get there, this time, the police, hey, you! And I turn around and, yeah, you! And then push me against the car and check me out. And they said, we told you to move 15 minutes ago. And, and of course, I, they've got the wrong guy. Right. I don't know what they, so they, they're arresting me. And they're arguing, the two cops are arguing. And one cop is Arthur Garens, 
batch number 624. <laughs> never the other guy, I never got the name. Yeah. But this guy, Arthur Gans, was arguing with the other cop and went to arrest me on it. Because they had been arresting all these kids, apparently, mm. every day for public nuisance and loitering, the 370 yeah. penal code. Wow. And so, and I didn't know, I mean, I've been on the streets and I've seen yeah. terrible things. They got the wrong guy and I'm scared, right? Right. And when I got to Park Station in San Francisco, they, the, the other dude sees my, my Danish passport and, he's, and he said something like, I'm sorry, we picked you. Hmm. And then he, then he said, you have three phone calls to make. And so uh, I said, I don't, I don't know anybody here. I'm in Denmark, I don't know what. And so, so were they arresting him at that point? Yeah. yeah. So they so gave me the phone book and I look up Tracy's donor show and I find it. So I called to see if anybody knew Super Space. Oh my God. And when I called the phone, the, the answer, this dude that answered, uh, excuse me, do you know Super Space? He says, yeah, that's me. Because that was a pay phone. That's the, the oh, back then, okay. which we don't you remember. Right, right, sure. Back then, yeah, yeah the number yeah. two. Uh, two uh, uh, so that was probably his office. Yeah, so that was <laughs> And that number for yeah. Chase's Donor Shop, that's the phone number, and it's on a pay phone. How funny. Yeah. So so he was talking from that phone normally. And I don't know if that connected with Arthur Gans them. They were seeing me falling, super spade, yeah. or whatever it is. But they were arresting kids before yeah. me, after me constantly. So so super space was you know something about it. I said, I'm in jail. So he says, I'll take care of you. And I was so upset that night, I was yelling and you know, in Danish and English, I was just you know, I didn't know why I was in. Super Spade said he'd take care of you? Yeah. And he got you out. And next morning, a bail bombing came, bailed me out. Wow. And so after I got bailed out, whatever I did that day, the process and all that, by the time I got out, I walked, tried to hitchhike, and most of it I ended up walking, got to hate Ashbury. I didn't see anybody, just find a place to crash. I don't even remember what I did. You know, every day I was like, find a place to sleep on a bench or somewhere. And the next day, I ran into a couple of people I already had met, you know, um, that I had seen. And they they said, uh, Super Spade got, uh, um, uh, he's, the, the front, I mean, the front page newspaper. Wow. Was, was his real name was Bill Thomas. I didn't know what Spade meant then either. Right, I didn't right, know right. that was his name. And he had been cut up in pieces. So he thrown over Stan and that hill over there. So apparently the people, I imagine that he was telling me he was going to sell this to was And they murdered they, him. They, they, they yeah. killed him. And, uh, and now did it turn out that Rick Estrin knew that guy too? Rick Estrin knows, right. knows Super Spade too, right. yeah. Only a few yeah. people. And uh, yeah, it was amazing. I mean, I could never, I wanted to thank him when he was gone. Yeah. But then I had to go to, uh, uh, you know, I had to go to uh, court. And, uh, and Arthur Garens was uh, threatening because uh, I would, didn't plead guilty. Because you did not. I did not. Yeah. Right. I, 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 judge Kennedy, a black judge, and Mrs. Doodle was the, the public defendant. And they told, PM told me, you gotta go and see the public defendant. So I got there real early and nothing was open. Not, open 15 minutes or 10 minutes before the, the court so nobody knows what really happened. I couldn't explain. Right. So how can she defend me? Right. right? Yeah. So I'm yelling in court while she's, and she says to me something like, you're going to be arrested probably. And I yelled at her too. Yeah. I yelled at everybody. 
and, and the Judge Kennedy. Must have gone over great. <laughs> no, the Judge Kennedy was thinking it. Was he? Because he was fed up, obviously. Oh, because you were standing up for yourself. Not only that. Yeah. No, because he's got all these kids arrested right. by the same cops same for cops, the same yeah. thing right. same that he thing. knew something was wrong. He knew something was and wrong. all the parents yeah. would have the kids plead guilty and right. and and, uh, and they pleaded not guilty. Yeah. So he because he says you plead guilty or not guilty, I said, I I I, I'm, I don't know what I did wrong. Yeah. yeah. So he says uh, you have uh, ninety days or something uh -huh. to get a. So I went to American Civil Liberties Union. Okay. Danish consulate. Yeah. At wow. five. Five attorneys wow. represented me because my case was a case they could use when all the other kids had pleaded guilty. Wow. Yeah. How wild. Yeah. From San Francisco, you weren't there that long, is that right? I was there a year because oh, I had, to, because I had to wait okay. for the. the, the, the uh, oh, right, right, right. I had the to case. wait for the case. Right. I went from a municipal code to civil to all these things. Okay. And, and ended up back with the same judge, and he said dismissed a, a year later. Wow! And then when he's dismissed, he says, you, "Anytime you're around, you can come and have a coffee with me." Wow! He said, and the and the feds or not the feds, the um, immigration didn't show up. I was scared of that because I was really illegally now in the country. Right. And but six months before, while I was doing the case, they came and to question that, and uh, and uh, uh, my attorneys. Richard Wittheimer, the, the people from, you know, from from uh, civil union, right? They had some reason to say that you, you, they can't touch me because of interesting because how I came here and my situation of being arrested right. and after the case, and when I case was over, I was like, I had the fear they were going to catch you. Were like, I'm going to get the hell out of here. No, I'm going to get deported. Yeah. I mean, how oh, are you okay. going? Yeah, right, waiting for right. me, right? Wow. Nothing happened, and thank Jeez. God. Yeah. So when you were when you were in the I mean you were in the hate at this time to me is the really love ends the love ends the love end. you were from sixty seven during the love ends to sixty eight when the drugs hit the streets and things really got yeah. overly yeah, I was crowded a, but also yeah. I mean the love the, the love end was freaky to me because yeah. you got to remember first of all I I just been arrested dudes came up to me and and said hey you want to go to a party I said sure so. Um, so they gave me the address up in Oakland, right? And that was that was the Black Black Panthers. Wow! It was it was uh, what's his name now? Huey Newton. Huey Newton. Yeah. So I didn't know Black Panther nothing, and I think maybe they were just setting me up to make fun of me. I yeah. don't know why. It's a party, okay? So I hitchhiked all the way up to Oakland Hills. When I get to the house, that little, this little house, there's you know, all these people in there. I walked in and. And I just surrounded all these people that are dancing, having a good time, and I started dancing. <laughs> and, I, and I probably it looked like the goofiest guy dancing. And I can imagine they probably said, "Look at that funny hippie." Right, funny right? hippie dude. Yeah. But because I had no fear, I didn't yeah. even know what Huey Newton. I had no right. idea about the Black Panther. I didn't know anything. Right. Yeah. I'm just party. Okay. The whole racial thing was still. No, nah, yeah, and I, didn't, I yeah. and right. You're oblivious. Right. So I meet. Um, like Michael Shreve, right in Redwood, from from Santana. Yeah, but he yep. wasn't with Santana yet. Before that, yeah, he was going to San Mateo College, and I went there. There's this band that potentially I might might be able to be part of. Jennifer Kuhn asked her parents if if I could stay one night over there, and so um, they took me in. Wow. And I ended up living there for that whole year with them. Yeah. They, they yeah, treated that's, me like, that's like what I was like. They treated me like when I moved like, there. Yeah, yeah like yeah. when I was their son. And I'm watching TV eating my peanut butter sandwich and chocolate milk. And here's this whole thing about Huey Newton and Black Panthers. 
that man, it was like the scariest thing the way they're being profiled. Right. That I said, holy shit, thank God for my naiveness. Yeah. Because if I had seen that, you would have been and, scared and, of and gone yeah. up there right. and then heard that, then right. they would have seen this white kid yeah. in fear or something, and maybe they would say, what's he doing here? Isn't and, that funny? And they would yeah. have put me out. Hopefully, it wouldn't hurt me or anything. Yeah, that's but, really interesting. So naiveness yeah. sometimes helps. Can know? help, yeah. yeah. Well, it's kind of like, I mean, one of the things I found going to, because uh, I've done a lot of teaching of harmonic in prisons, mm. and that being around the inmates, it was like such a revelation that, you know, people don't necessarily come off the way they do horrific things. Yeah, they could have done horrific things, but yeah. you would never know. You would, you would know. So once you got out of out, out of the, of the Bay Area, case, you went. Did you hitchhike down to LA? No, or, or I met a guy named George Unwin. I think his name was, mm -hmm. and he wanted to manage me. He wanted people ah, to manage me. Okay, and so he would take me around. And matter of fact, uh, Crete and Clearwater, they Creed were Clearwater? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. were playing in this little club in San Francisco. The stage is like a tiny place. Right. The stage is really high up. Huh. And uh, and I and they didn't want me, but then I ended up somehow got in and sat in with them. Right. Because um, they were trying to do their, their view as Crete and then right, right, somebody right. else. But anyhow, I sat in there. Yeah. You know, a couple of things like that, and then. Some other guy who had just inherited five thousand dollars, which was a lot of money, a ton of money, right? Yeah. Right? Was going to invest it in uh, in, in your career, in my career. Wow! So George Unwin got it worked out. So we drove down to uh, Los Angeles, and um, and there was a, a Gold Star Studio, which is uh, was a famous. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where yeah. the uh, the Wrecking Crew was. Yeah, every lot of yeah. things. It's not even existing. It's torn yeah. down now. Right. Doc Siegel was huh. And I brought it, brought it to, and uh, he called up Stu Levine and Hugh Masekalo. Wow. And uh, and then I went in back into the studio to see Doc Siegel, and Stu Levine was there. Dr. John had just done his album right. and all the other stuff. And uh, Stu said, no, I'm not interested. Hmm. Something like that. Then Doc said, come on. And then he went into a room. I guess he played something, whatever, and came back out. And Stooling was interested, so he writes down Hugh Kalo's address, and it was um, Cap Calloway's daughter. Wow. the dog. She was with Hugh Kalo. What a trip. And a uh, little old lady owned a house, and she had a little guest house that she lived in and rented that house. Here. And so that gave me an opportunity to bring the guys down to musicians from from San Francisco that I had oh, started okay. I had started to put together. Right. Tim Bollins? Oh, yeah. He, yeah, yeah. he, ended, up in, he ended up in Stonebrook. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Barnes. Yeah. He okay. died recently. And we were staying in this house, you know, like hippies, man. Right? Yeah. Because there wasn't a room for what five right. people in separate rooms. Right. So we had a, had a sleeping bag. A sleeping bag, or yeah. we put little curtains, right. sort of things, right. whatever, you know. Yeah. And that's when I got my first record player. Huh. I never had a record player before. Wow. And that's when I got Ray Charles. Yeah. Crying time. Yeah. Never heard anybody. Only Ray. Only music I ever heard anybody was maybe on radio in Denmark, but it was hmm. purely. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. Robinson Crusoe or, 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 or anything from blues to wow. whatever. Didn't know categories, didn't matter. Yeah. Uh, it was all music. Uh, well, it, we were staying at this house in Malibu, and I'm supposed to work out with these guys. But mm. apparently, the guys didn't want to do anything with me. Mm. Because I think what Stu Levine has said, you're not, 
the the Oscars, the star, the artist, or whatever. Yeah. No, not yeah. nothing. You're the backup. Musician. You're the backup. Or whatever it said. It was something right. like that. It didn't work. For he, he dropped me off on on Sunset Boulevard where Whiskey Congo is. Right, right, right. right and Sunset right. Strip there. Yeah. And Mario and Elmer, Mario would let me in because he he knew me from Humans and Cattlemen. Uh, so they would let me free in then. So you really kind of, it was really a thing of luck of, of who, Just you, who you ran into. Yeah. 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 And is it, was it at the whiskey that you met Eric Burton? Uh, no. I met Eric Burton at, uh, on a, a place called The Experience. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard that was, a, that was on, uh, on Sunset Boulevard. That was on Sunset too, but, right by the Palladium. But Wasn't it? It's, it's so far east that it was like not the place that was happening. Yeah. And made terrible, I mean, made real serious threats to the Whiskey of Gogo. Because Whiskey of Gogo is the place on Sunset oh, yeah, Strip. Was happening. And yeah. in the east side, way east of that, nothing happened. Yeah. But that was the place that was like promoting for the jam sessions. Right. And at the Coliseum, the LA Coliseum, when anybody played, whether, no matter what act it was, they knew that after hour, they somehow found out that this is the place to go and jam. Yeah. So Whiskey Go was being threatened by this stuff. Oh, okay. And then and Mark Brevis let me in for free. Yeah. He just stopped and let me in for free. Right. And then I met um, Blues Image. They had just, oh, yeah, yeah. So Blues Image had just came in from Florida. And with the Blues Image, uh, my, Mike Pinero. Right. My friend was uh, real good, good, yeah. good friend. So we, so they would let me come up and play. Right. So I came in for free and I sit in and play. Then Eric comes in, and he also sat in with those guys. Oh, okay. So he and I started to connect. Right. And then one day when I when I hitchhiked to the Whiskey of Gogo, and I walk in in those celebrity booths, right. I see Eric. Right. So I walk over to say hi to Eric. Yeah. Chris Huston comes up to me with his. Chris Huston became our engineer. Hmm. He came up to me with a card, and he says, "I have a recording studio in Hollywood, and I'd like to sign you." Wow. So I didn't want to be signed by him, but I said, hey, he's got a studio. I can make a demo. Because yeah. I had just left AM Records, knocked on the door a few days before. Wow. And the woman that's reception, I thought she was the regular people. Yeah. And I said, I'll sign for $400. <laughs> I thought that was a lot of money. And she says, get this hippie out of here. Yeah. So that was a brand new label. Yeah. And Mo, yeah. I met Mo that time. He was right. passed. Right. You know, and Is that Mo, uh, Mo Austin. Austin. Yeah. yeah right, right. And I had. And I, I wanted to be signed to them. Yeah. And when they said no, they can't say no unless they have heard me. Right. Otherwise, I can't. If they say no after they heard me, it's one thing, but they haven't heard me. So, so I wanted to prove to them. So I went to Chris Huston's studio. Yeah. And I said, I don't want to sign with you. I just want to use the studio, and then I can pay you back if it's not. You really did have ambition. <laughs> so he says. So, so he says I can't go and do that. So yeah. I sat in the lobby, like devastated. Yeah. And here comes this dude out that was Jerry Goldstein with a common piece of paper out of the studio, doing like a kazoo, like a harmonica. And he's yelling, I need a harmonica player. And I'm sitting here watching this, but I'm devastated. So all of a sudden, we got somebody. This kid comes running up the stairs, goes in with Jerry Goldstein. Minutes later, comes back out like he's not happening. And the guy says, I need a harmonica player. And I had one harmonica in my name, that F harmonica. Hmm. I said, I, I, I play harmonica because I was kind of embarrassed if you'd seen me all this time right. and I didn't say anything. Right. Okay, come on in with me. He puts the headphones on. I played with no taste. I mean, I was just so excited to play, playing fifth heels. Right. <laughs> right? And Jerry liked it so much, he was like, gave me 10 bucks. So now 
I meet this party meter lady and I take out for a pizza. And and uh, and uh, the pizza was more than five bucks because the 10 bucks, I gave five bucks to that band that I was like trying to take care of, right? You know? Right. I felt guilty. They got five dollars. Yeah. I, I had five bucks and I take the meter lady out for a pizza and it's more than that. So I left the harmonica, the only harmonica I had because wow. I gave it up as a tip. Like somebody Jeez. would want a fucking harmonica yeah. as a tip, right? And she paid the extra. Night Shift was the original war. That band, was the right? band, yeah. That yeah. was, yeah. The guys, like here, the guys in the band war. Now, did you and Eric find them? Was that the yeah, band that well, you guys kind of accidentally right. found them? No, accidentally. Jerry Goldstein had. Oh, he found them. No, yeah. But Jerry, Jerry Goldstein had a poster company then. Okay. Called, called The Visual Thing. That's how he had connection with Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morris, and everybody. Because mm. posters were a big thing. Right, right. That was a so, big thing. Yeah. So they would come to the back door and work deals out. Right. So, so uh, this guy, Peter Rosen, worked for, 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 for visual things. And he was a bass player. And right. he played in that band. Hmm. So he would try keep telling Jerry. You mean he played in, in Night Shift? Yeah, yeah. Oh. To, yeah. To, you, you know, you got to come down and see the band. Oh, okay. So Eric and I went down. To and where was that? Where did you in, go see it? It was called the Ragdoll and then later the FM station in North Hollywood. North Hollywood, okay. So when we walked in, it was packed with people. Yeah. And it was Deacon Jones. Playing a keyboard? No, Deacon Jones, a football player. Oh, the player. football player, okay. Was, I was he, thinking the keyboard. Yeah, he was player. doing yeah. a singing debut. Oh, right. He was doing like a one-arm push-up <laughs> with the other microphone, I love you, baby. <laughs> and, and, I mean, I was embarrassed to see that because that oh, makes me feel like a wuss. I mean, yeah. if that's if that's what makes you a man, man. Oh, like, man so, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so, great. so he's doing his singing debut and with the backup band, mm -hmm. and then when he did after he's done his set, <laughs> no wonder they wanted to hire you in there. <laughs> no, 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 no. They heard that Eric and is coming in to right. check it out. To check it out. So yeah. they didn't know who Eric looked like or anything. Right. So when they finished, when he finished the singing, they did that set. And somehow somebody told me to jump up, so I jumped up and played. They, wow. thought, they, thought, I, they thought I was Eric Burden. Wow. Because they knew the right way. And I played. And amazing how many people in Hollywood all want to make record deals. Everybody oh, yeah. had something. Yeah, well, yeah. They all like money. Do it back then. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, they were like, you, you know, so it was like a freaking circus. Yeah. And then maybe a few days later, we, the nucleus of the band, mm -hmm. and Eric and myself all met at this place in Hollywood that we sat around a swimming pool. And we had locks and bagels and all that stuff. And uh, that's when we came up with the name War. Mm -hmm. And uh, how did you come up with that name? Well, they're different stories. I, my story, honestly, is that I had this whole philosophy. We talked about everybody walking around saying peace. I was saying about everybody walking around saying peace. Right. And if you're totally in peace with yourself, you can't be creative. So my philosophy was if you are, the, the, the part in you that makes you creative is the, is the war that's in you. Uh, so like and kind of the so war. Steve Gold, yeah, yeah. So Steve Gold says, whoa, that is, that's it. <laughs> so people say he came up with the name, but it came from me. That that's philosophy. interesting. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I know that Eric was only with you guys for what was it? Uh, it seems like a year, a, but it you know, six I, months. You know, it's, when you look at, uh, when you look at logistically, it was yeah. a very short time. Yeah. I don't remember what it was. But when in field, so you guys like, kind of had an immediate, but yeah, yeah, yeah but, but the field to me was it didn't seem that short, but it yeah, was, yeah, it was, yeah. How much touring did you guys do with Eric? Well, we uh.
We did some. I mean, we played a lot of places, also like the Golden Bear in Huntington Beach. Right. We were like of course. the husbands, yeah. so we could wow. we could warm up and we uh, and we uh, we recorded live every night. Uh huh. Um, we had a remote remote uh, recording device that traveled, so we recorded every shows. Mm -hmm. When we came to England, uh, of course, he's the superstar, right? And he didn't show up. Yeah. In London, he didn't show up. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, it is your partner, Big Boy, interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network that empowers you to take action, contribute to local needs, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to Neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello.